Amen. Um, one thing I did forget to mention, and I do want to mention it. Uh, we have, I was confirming with the kids today, and we have five of our neighborhood kids so far that are committed to going to Kids Crusade at the end of June, which is exciting. Uh, we've been praying that we'll start to get our kids back, and you can already see God's moving in that that area. Um, we definitely need volunteers if you're available, and I know work schedules don't typically allow for a lot of that, so I get it. Uh, but if you're available to help in any way, uh, talk to Tori. There's a sign-up sheet in the back that you can certainly sign up for, and that would help us tremendously. The other thing that I want you to be praying about uh, last week, and I already communicated it to, to Tammy and Tori, I would like our church to sponsor one of the meals for the kids uh, during Kids Crusade. And that roughly cost about $300. So if you can help out, you don't have to come up with the full $300, but if each, each of us come up with, if six of us come up with 50, we've got it, you know, that type of thing. So I uh, just wanted to throw that out to, as, a, as a challenge. I would love for us to support this because this is not gonna only help our five kids from here, it's gonna help countless kids from across South Central Ohio. So I wanted to let you guys know about that. Uh, also, if you have your bulletin and you like taking notes, uh, this week uh, the, the um, outline is in blue, so you can follow along there. Uh, but that's, that's some of the things that, that we're praying about as we get into the month of June. Well, there we go. Hold on. Uh, one of the most moving speeches President Ronald Reagan made was after the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster in 1986. Only 73 seconds after takeoff, the spaceship exploded into a great ball of fire and all seven of the astronauts on board were killed. I remember this distinctly because I was 16 years old at the time. Shows you I'm a little bit old. Uh, but we watched it in our, we watched like CNN in our classroom and actually saw this. And it was one of the most devastating events I've ever seen. It was right up there with 9-11 in my mind's eye because it was so, so vivid when you saw this space shuttle explode. As, pres as the president struggled to put a nation's grief into words, he quoted a line from a poem by World War II aviator John Gillespie Maggie. And this is what Mr. Reagan said. He said, our astronauts had slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. This line of poetry expresses one of humankind's deepest longings. We were made for friendship and fellowship with God. That is the way God designed us. We are searching for a place where earth touches heaven, the place where we can go and meet with a holy God. We need guidance. We need direction. We need light in this crazy, mixed up, and darkened world. The tabernacle is the place where earth touched heaven. The earthly residence of heaven's King of Kings and Lord of Lords was manifest in the holy of holies of that tabernacle. The tabernacle was the tent where God lived, and its construction revealed God's divine character. The tabernacle showed us what was required for sinners to meet with a holy God. And we will see that again today 
as we observe the golden lampstand. So if you have your Bibles, we're looking at Exodus chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. Exodus 25, 31 through 40. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. I'll read these verses to just kind of inform us about the lampstand that God commanded to be in the tabernacle. God says this, make a lampstand of pure gold, hammered out its base and shaft, and make its flower-like cups, buds and blossoms of one piece with them. Six branches are to extend from the side of the lampstand, three on one side, three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms are to be on one branch, three on the next branch, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And on the lampstand, there are to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. One of the buds shall be under the first pair of branches extending from the lampstand, a second bud under the second pair, and a third bud under the third pair, six branches in all. The buds and branches shall all be one piece with the lampstand hammered out of pure gold. And then make it seven lamps and set them up so that they light the space in front of it. Its wick, trimmers, and trays are be, to be made of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And that is the reading of God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of God's word. Help us to see your design, even as it is something as simple as the lampstand, and how it reveals your character, how it reveals how costly and precious you are, and how it reveals that you shine light even into the greatest darkness of our world. Help us to shine that light in our own life as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let me tell you a story about uh, a grumpy old man. And this week, it's not me getting upset at our dog or anything like that. This week, it was about a neighbor, a guy who, you know, enjoyed the Christmas holiday, but he noticed his neighbor in middle of January still had their Christmas lights up. And it kind of perturbed him. And he got a little bit more upset, and then as January went into February, the Christmas lights were still up. Then Valentine's Day came. No hearts, none of that. The Christmas lights were still up. It got to be March. We were almost to Easter, and these Christmas lights were still up. This grumpy old neighbor could take it no more. He's like, this is bringing down the value of our neighborhood. How can these people be so lazy not to take their Christmas lights down? This is crazy. Why won't they do it? And so finally, he decided one day he was going to go over and knock on that neighbor's door and give this guy a piece of his mind. And as he started to make his way to the neighbor, he saw in the yard a yellow ribbon around their tree in the front saying, welcome home, Jimmy. We're proud of you. Thank you for your service in Iraq. Those family members knew their son was coming home, and they left those Christmas lights up to give him hope, to be able to celebrate, to be able to see hope at the end 
of a darkened time. Light is a symbol of hope. Whether you're lost in a dark cave and you can't even see your hand in front of your face, but then you turn a corner and you see a glimmer of sunlight and you know that the entrance to the cave or the exit to the cave is imminent, that is a symbol of hope. Maybe you're lost in a lifeboat on a darkened sea and you don't know where you're gonna be going, but suddenly on the horizon you see a ship and its lights beaming out. That is a symbol of hope. People in darkness are delighted to see light. Can I tell you, we live in a world of darkness. You don't have to be reminded, even looking at the news headlines this past week, and once again, Pastor Jeremy and I planned these sermons way out in advance, and who would have thought that I would be talking about the lampstand after we've seen such tragedy nationwide this past week? You have all heard about the 10 that were dead in the Buffalo supermarket because of a, of a hatred crime against them. Horrible, horrible. And then also last week, there was a church shooting in California where one was dead and five was hurt. Once again, showing us the darkness of this world. And then something that came out this month that just breaks my heart is that they looked at statistics in 2021 and there is actually a 15% increase in fentanyl and meth overdoses in 2021 than we've ever had before in other years. This is remarkable because these type of overdoses aren't killing the older generation like COVID seemed to, seemed to go with. These are killing our young kids. 18, 20-year-old, 30-year-olds are dying from these overdoses. We live in a dark, dark, world. But there is hope. There is a light of hope that shines. And that light of hope is seen even in the tabernacle, this golden lampstand. What you have to understand about the tabernacle, because now we're in the holy place. We're, we're not in the courtyard. We've gone past the altar of burnt offering. We've gone past the bronze laver. Now we're going into the tent where only the priests go in and they go in and this is the holy place, not the holy of holies, but the holy place. This tent is four layers thick. And so it is really, really dark in that tent. And the only source of light is this golden lampstand. I think it's interesting. And we read it just moments ago. This lampstand was made of pure gold and was extremely valuable. Remember, when you go to the altar of burnt offering or the bronze laver, most of those were made of bronze. But the closer you get to God's presence, now we're into the gold realm. Now we're into the valuable thing. And like we sang today, the world's wealth, the diamonds, the gold, the silver, compares to nothing like our relationship with God. And as we get closer to God into the Holy of Holies, we see we transition from bronze to more gold and silver, showing that God is more precious than anything this world has to offer. His relationship with us is the most precious thing we have. The lampstand was the only source of light in this holy place. Remember, four layers thick. It was probably very dark in there with no light, but this lampstand was burning day and night to give that constant light in the holy place. 
And the lampstand showed Israel that God alone is the source of life and light. Let me pause there because when you have light, that's when you have life. You can't have life without light. That's why when God made the earth, the first thing he did was install light into the earth because in order to have life, you have to have light. And both of them come from God and God alone. That's what that golden lampstand reminds us of. So if you like to take notes, why a lampstand? Why a lampstand? Why did God get so specific? I mean, he talked about the almonds that were on the almond cups that were on each side of the, the, the three on this side, the three on this side. We know God is a God of details, but why a lampstand? You see, light is the essence and character of uh, uh, the essence and expression of God's character. His character is light. Just like we talked about last week, God is holy, holy, holy. That's one of his characteristics. His other characteristic is light. It is love. It is grace. But light is a part of his very being. And we see this all throughout the Bible. I referenced this before, but Genesis chapter 1, right in the very beginning, in the beginning, God. Those are really the only words you need to know because that really sets it up. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, there was morning, that was the first day. So take note of this. If you read the Genesis account, it's not until verse 14 that the sun, the moon, and the stars were created by God. So he just says, let there be light, and there was light. Because he is light. It's a part of his divine character. Where he is, there is no darkness. So when you go into his presence, the darkness of this world falls by the wayside because he is light. We see this in Revelation. Revelation 22.5. This is the, the great chapter on the new Jerusalem. It says, there shall be no night there, meaning heaven, the new Jerusalem. There need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. I am so glad up in heaven, we don't have to worry about LED light bulbs or those little fluorescent ones that drive me crazy. We don't have to worry about any of that because there is no need for a lamp. There's no need for the sun or the moon because God himself is the light. He is light in the middle of the darkness. And we see that in the garden. We see that in the beginning. We see that in heaven and we see that even in the Psalms. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? No matter how dark this world gets, we don't have to fear because God is our light. And that lampstand in the tabernacle demonstrate God's character of light in the middle of darkness. Next thing is we see that light shatters darkness. Darkness does not have a chance when God's light is on the scene. God's light 
exposes darkness. It's defeated when God is there. John chapter one, verse five, describing Jesus, the word of God says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. If we were in a darkened room right now and we were, it was pitch black, you couldn't even see the hand in front of your face. But if you had just a little bit of a flashlight, even your phone, that light would illuminate the entire room. Why? Because darkness does not stand a chance against God's light in this world. And so when you see the tragedies that we've seen over the last week or over the last year with the deaths, we know God's light is greater than all of that because the darkness cannot overcome God's light. The next thing we see is that light gives vision and direction to us. Light gives vision and direction. I think of Evan, I think of Dakota, I think of Brooke, and their world is, is about to open up. They're graduating either from high school or with their speech pathology degree. They have the world in front of them. And I know when I was that age, I always wondered, what's gonna be God's will for my life? Where does God want me to go? And I think we've all struggled with that. But God's light gives us direction, even in the midst of trying to figure out what God's will is for our life. Psalm 119, 105, very familiar verse. Your word, get into the word, that's the number one thing. If you want to find out God's will, get into God's word, because he reveals his will in his word. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. When I was young, I always looked at this verse, and you know what I thought of? I thought of like Tammy and Tori's Jeep, maybe with some high halogen beams, you know, those headlights that just glare down a darkened road, and you can see for miles, miles, with those high halogen beams. I love Jeeps, so anytime I get a chance to mention it, I'm gonna mention a Jeep. But that's what I thought this verse was. If, if I get into God's word, he's gonna show me miles and miles down the road, what he wants me to do with my life. That is not a proper translation of this verse. Remember, they didn't have Jeeps back in the Bible days. I don't know if you knew that. And they certainly didn't have halogen high beam lights that would glare down the road miles and miles so you could see a deer, you know, 500 feet down the road. No, they didn't have that. Do you know what they had? pretty much a handheld lamp, a little lantern with a wick on the end, and that light, even in the darkness, would give you just enough light to see what your next step was forward. So when we are in God's word, when his light is illuminating our life, we not, might not see what the next year, three years, or five years is down the road, but do you know what we can see? what God's will is for me today. One step at a time, one day at a time. And that requires trust. That requires loving God. That requires putting your life in God's hand and saying, your will for today, I am going to be obedient. And as you shine that light of your word on my next day, I'm gonna be obedient there. I might not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future and God is going to help me get to that point. So when he says, thy word 
is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, it really means for this step, this day, and you're trusting him each and every step of the way. Another thing is that light represents life. Light represents life. I, I alluded to this earlier, but you can't have life without light. There's gotta be, even in the darkest of the darkest sea, they've shown that there are fish down there that have some kind of receptors that are getting some kind of light in there. Light and life go together. And we can see that all throughout God's creation. And that tells me that when we hold on to God, he not only shines his light in our darkness, he gives us life and life more abundantly. John chapter one, verse four, in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus is the light and life of our life. That is why I'd rather have Jesus than anything. That is why he is more precious than silver, gold, and diamonds, because he gives me his life and his light to get through this darkened world. So really, Jesus is the source of the light of life. Exodus chapter 27, verse 20, really kind of shows us a little bit more about this golden lampstand. Let me share it with you. This is the King James Version. Thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring the pure oil olive beaten for the, beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. So that golden lampstand in the tabernacle had to burn all the time to bring that light into the holy place. And we see that this verse really shows us how Christ works in our life. You see, he is the source of light in our life, just like the lampstand was the source of life in the light in the tabernacle. That oil in the lampstand had to be pure, pure. You read that right in that verse. And that reminds us that Jesus Christ's righteousness is pure. We've looked at this verse many times, but God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. His purity, his righteousness, our righteousness is filthy rags. His is pure, just like that olive oil that they used in the golden lampstand. The other thing we see is that the oil had to be beaten. So not only did that oil had to be pure, it had to be beaten to get that light exactly the way God wanted it. Isaiah 53, five. I love the Messianic prophet, the prophecy of Isaiah about Jesus. And this is one of them. Isaiah tells us that Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds or by his stripes, we are healed. He had to be crushed so that we could be saved. He had to be pierced so that we could be whole. He had to be broken so we could be healed. And he did that for us so that we can have the light of life in our life. And I love this verse. Jesus speaking in John says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So even in this world of darkness, even when darkness is all around us, 
if we have Jesus in our life, that light never goes out. Just like the tabernacle, it burns night and day, and it burns in us, and Jesus is our light, even in the darkest of nights. So the third and final thing is, we, as God's children, we as his church, have been strategically and purposefully placed in this world to shine Christ for his glory. To shine Christ. You see, not only do we receive the light from God, we also shine the light of God in our life. Remember, that lampstand did not just magically turn on when the priest went in there. They had to tend to the wicks. They had to tend to it each and every day. And we, as God's own lights, have to shine his light each and every day of our life. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was pretty clear with it. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus speaking, not only is he the light of the world, he says, you, you, me, we, thee, we are all the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, our responsibility as Christians is not only to receive the light. I'm so glad that God gives us his light. There are so many dark days, kind of like what Larry was saying, that, that day on August 10th, 2011, I wouldn't have been here because of the darkness that swallowed me up on that day. But praise the Lord, God's light was there. And it was more precious than silver, gold, or diamonds. It was valuable. But not only do we receive God's light, we need to be able to shine God's light to people who need that light in today's darkness. I'll never forget when I was pastoring at Scioteville Church of the Nazarene down near Portsmouth, near Wheelersburg, right in between New Boston and Wheelersburg, Scioteville Church of the Nazarene. That parking lot you see there in the picture, we had just had a good service. It wasn't a great service, but we were on Sunday morning. It was a good service saying, and, and God, God really met with us. As we were exiting the building, I ran across this guy who was just walking around aimlessly in our parking lot. And I wasn't sure exactly what was going on. I could tell he was distraught. I could tell he wasn't with it. And, and I went up to him and I said, hey, I'm the pastor. Is there anything I can do to help? And he explained to me that he had been up all night drinking alcohol. He was hungover. He was still a little bit drunk. And, and he was just in this desperate situation, feeling horrible. And I, I said, well, sir, I'm not sure what we can do. We're, we're only a church. I said, would you mind coming into our building and having us have a, have a word of prayer with you? And I think because of the alcohol and all of that, he was probably a little confused, but he agreed to come into the, the church. And so we went and I got a, a bunch of our, our laymen around and we gathered and we prayed for this individual. His name was John. And I remember praying for him and, and God's Holy Spirit was there. It was, it was shining his light in the middle of that darkness right there in our church. And I, I felt like, 
what are we gonna do? We're gonna pray with this guy. We're gonna send him on his way, but he's still going to be needing something to get through what he's going through. And thankfully, one of our people at our church was a nurse who had a connection with New Beginnings um, Recovery Center down in Portsmouth. And this guy said, you know, I know the director. I have his cell phone. Let me give this guy a call. And this, this nurse gave the director a call and God opened the door for this man, John, to go from our church where we had just prayed for him to new, new beginnings to start a new beginning in his life. So not only were we there to pray God's light into his life, but God opened the doors for him to get some real help. I'm not exactly sure what happened to John, but I know that day God opened the doors for him to get the help he needs. Now, I think of us here in Ross County, and there's so many things that are happening in Ross County. We have, and this is older statistics, we have somewhere, and this was back in 2010, so I know this number's gone up, 57,000, almost 58,000 people who don't go to church on any given Sunday, Wednesday, or anything. They are just unchurched. And we know that the, the drug crisis has increased the overdoses in our counties innumerably. It's been amazing how much those uh, drug overdoses have happened. You talk to Andy, and he'll tell you as an EMT, he deals with that all the time. We are seeing darkness in Ross County. So my question to you today is, as we think about the light that God has provided us and that he tells us to be that city on a hill that shines his light out into this community, what can we as a church do to shine God's light to people who need that light of life in their life today? You know, I think we do a good job. I think during Christmas, we, we, give out, um, we give out our blessing boxes. We've been helping Fred, our neighbor. We help a lot of our kids go to Kids Crusade. We do a lot of things, and I think that is great. But my prayer recently has been, God, what else can we do? Because we know, even if the light is small, and you might say, well, Pastor Ed, come on. We're only maybe 30, 40 people on a Sunday. How can we make an impact in Ross County? Remember, in the darkest room, only one little bit of light sheds light in that entire room. So even if 20, 30 people at Chillicothe First Church put our little lights together, how much of a difference can we make in somebody's life? We might not have someone who is struggling with alcohol abuse end up on our parking lot. That was just pure God working behind the scenes in Scioteville. But we all know people who are hurting. We all know people who are struggling. How can we shine our little light into their life today? How can Jesus, the light of the world, use us to illuminate the world around us? Whether it's family members, whether it's friends from our past or it's our coworkers, people are in darkness. And we have been called by Jesus to shine the light of life in their life. Help us this week to look for opportunities 
Because when you look at that golden lampstand, it's a reminder that God is the source of light. He is the light of life. But it's also a reminder that we should be shining our light out into a world of darkness as well. And that's my prayer. Lord, let your light shine on us. I'm gonna have Pastor Jeremy and Larry come up and we're gonna close this service out by singing a song that just simply says this, Lord, let your light shine on us. And I would like us as a church to sing this together and just let it be your prayer. And as we sing these words, I think you know me by now, I like to open the altar. We have altars here for a reason. We're not one of those churches that have taken it out. And I, as long as I'm pastor, they'll be there. Because I believe it's a place where we can go and meet with the Lord. But as we sing this song, maybe God's laid someone on your heart. Someone who's going through darkness right now. Maybe someone who's struggling with abuse, with financial difficulties, depression, anxiety. Maybe someone you know needs God's light in their life. Come to this altar, lay that name down at the foot of the cross, and ask God to help you shine his light into that situation. Ask for that opportunity. Siotaville, we were just doing a normal Sunday, and suddenly God opened this door of opportunity. If you start to pray intentionally and purposefully, God can open that door in your life as well to shine his light in that life of darkness today. Let's stand and sing this song together. Lord, let your light shine on us.